Please join with me in reading uh, from Psalm 124. We'll begin in verse 1. Let's read this together. What if the Lord had not been on our side? Let all Israel repeat, What if the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us? They would have swallowed us alive in their burning anger. The waters would have engulfed us. A torrent would have overwhelmed us. Yes, the raging waters of their fury would have overwhelmed our very lives. Praise the Lord, who did not let their teeth tear us apart. We escaped like a bird from a hunter's trap. The trap is broken, and we are free. Our help is from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. We're going to be in Psalm 124 this morning. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you that uh, you are with us here this morning. I thank you that um, you have given us your word. And Lord, as we look into it and learn from it this morning, I pray that you would apply your truth to my life and to the lives of all of us that are here today. Help us to hear your voice and help us to obey. We ask it in your name. Amen. Please be seated. Um, Next couple of weeks, uh, well, Josh will be speaking from from Hebrews 8 next week. And then the week after that, I'll be in Psalm 130, just doing some psalms. But starting on the last week of November, we're going to be doing um, Messianic psalms. And so we're going to be dealing with psalms related to the whole coming of Christ. And so we'll just take a look at those through the time. Instead of other kinds of Christmas things, we'll be looking at the psalms that have aspects of the Messiah in them. Some of you may have heard this story. Um, Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the second time. (laughs) Carol and I arrived in La Paz, Bolivia in 1979. And we had been trained in language, and we had been trained in Bible, and we had been trained in a lot of different things as we came down to join Woody and Sue Rowland and help them in planning a church in La Paz, Bolivia. So we settled in, and um, one of the first things we try to do is get to kind of understand the local culture, because even in all Hispanic countries, everyone has its big differences. And uh, so we were learning these kinds of things, and very, very early in our first year there, um, there was a military coup. We woke up and uh, the tanks had come through in the night and uh, the president had been sent on his way and we had a new president. And, um, you know, kind of most of the morning went by, nothing was happening. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of things going on anywhere. So I called a missionary friend of ours and we were talking about it and kind of laughing about it. And and um, I said, well, hey, how about if we come over? And he said, sure, no problem. So we jumped on the motorcycle, Carol, Tasha, and myself, we rode over to their home, and we were there for a little while. And then at one point, he started to get really nervous, and, and he's, he was the veteran missionary. He said, you know, Mark, you really need to be home before it gets dark. And I thought, okay, I, mean, I have a headlight, but sure, we'll, we'll get going. And so we got on the road and got going. And one of the things that I hadn't learned yet is that in a place where you're living in this huge valley up about 13,000 feet, once the sun goes below that mountain you've got night. There's no gradual changing from day to night. It just drops. 
And so before we got home, it, it, it just dropped and got really, really dark. And so now I'm going down the main road. I haven't been there that long. I don't know very many of the side streets. I know that I've got to go down this way, then up that way, and that's where my house is. I know the names of those streets. But as we got down, I saw there was a huge crowd of people, and they were ripping up stones out of the, out of the, the, um, out of the road and making barricades out of them. And I thought, yeah, we're going to go a different way. So I started up and to the right. And every now and then we hit a block, and I knew I needed to keep going up and keep going over. And I turned and turned, and, and um, I was on streets I'd never seen before. Finally, I'm heading down a very, very dark, almost like an alley. So I hit the brights on my motorcycle, and there was a tank and a bunch of soldiers. And they didn't say anything, didn't wave or anything, so I decided to spin around and go somewhere else. So we finally got home as I weaved my way through. I have no idea how. We got into our house, and within 10 minutes of being inside, all it sounded like World War II broke out outside. And there were mortars, and there were you know tanks, and there were rifles and machine guns. And um, <clears throat> it was only at that point that we realized we had been protected. We had been protected. Woody and Sue shared this, this one thought from the psalm when they were here. If God had not been on our sides, the question there would have been, who knows what might have happened? If God had not been on our side, protecting and leading us, who knows? And, and that's the thing when you think about the fact that if God is on our side, what a difference that makes. And that's why we're looking at Psalm 124 today. It's known as one of the Psalms of Ascent, from Psalms 120 to 134. There's a whole bunch of Psalms that have the title Psalms of Ascent. Now, there's different theories as to what that meant. Some people say that it was, especially since the first Psalm starts with someone being out of Israel, that they were designed kind of like a devotion book, that they would memorize and know all these Psalms, and that they would say them at different points in time in their journey. That, that's one thought on it. The other one is that the people of Israel themselves, as they got to Jericho and they were going up into Jerusalem then, there were places on that road where they stopped and recited or said those various psalms. And so that's, that's another possibility. And, and I think that certainly some of that did happen. And then the last one is that in Jerusalem itself, there were steps that went up into the temple and that people would stop on each step and say one of the psalms, and then they go to the next one and say another psalm. And, and so if you go back and read some of those, there's some amazing, amazing words there in the Psalms of Ascent. Now, this psalm was written by King David, probably early during his reign. Probably the danger he's describing is some of the major wars that they had with the Philistines. Um, and, of course, they had been trying to destroy David for a while. So uh, that's kind of where we're at and what the psalm, where the psalm is headed. So let's jump into verse 1. Um, <clears throat> if the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side when men attacked us, and then we'll just kind of pause there. And so it's like, uh, you know, they say, if the Lord had not been on our side, maybe uh, one of the Levites is leading people in this. And he said, if the Lord had not been on our side, now sing it out loud, shout it out, people. If the Lord had not been on our side when men attacked us. And so that's where, where it's going. And so if the Lord hadn't been on our side when we were under attack, the next verse is going to say all these things that would have been would have been calamities. Now, what's implied here is that if someone other than the Lord would have been, if it had been anyone other than the Lord, they would have been in trouble. If if someone else had been on their side, it wouldn't have changed anything. But if the Lord had been on our side, that's a whole different way of understanding it. Um, so, what's implied here is 
Sarah, can you put that one up there, please? There we go. Thank you. Implied for God is for us. That's important to grab onto that. And the second part is almost as important. So God is for us, and he is against our enemies. So God is for us, but he's against our enemies, whether they be human or whether they be spiritual. He is for us, and he's against them. So I'm going to go and read the first two verses for context, and we'll move on to verse 3. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side when men attacked us, when their anger flared against us, they would have swallowed us alive. Pretty definitive statement. So when their anger flared, so when the enemy's rage poured out and their fury exploded against them, um, the thought is, if God hadn't been there, they would have been swallowed alive by their enemies. Um, and, and the imagery here, the swallowed alive, comes from, if you remember, um, back when Moses was, was setting everything up and they were just getting everything going uh, and the priest system had been set up, there was a priest named Korah and a couple others who rebelled against Aaron the high priest. And the way God judged them was to have the ground open up and swallow them. That's the thought behind this. If the Lord had not been on our side, when, when their anger flared, we would have been swallowed, just like those guys were um, back in Exodus. So if the, their enemies rage, fury explodes, they attempt to destroy them. Uh, verse 4 continues that with a different metaphor. The flood would have engulfed us, the torrent would have swept over us. And, and the whole idea of the flood would have engulfed us was that the water was rising so fast that there's no way they could get out of, of the danger that they were in. But the torrent rolling down them and, verse 5, the raging waters would have swept us. That's the whole idea of if you've ever been anywhere near a, a, a canyon that's dry most of the year, but there's a storm in the mountains all of a sudden, you hear something that sounds like thunder, and that whole area is like a raging torrent. That's the imagery here. That's what would happen if the Lord had not been with us. The Lord had not been for us. Um, again, this, just put it this way. If, if God, this is another, um, another point. Thank you. If God had not been on our side, the thought is, we'd be dead. That's the imagery. That's the way they're talking. That's the way they're explaining it. So I'm going to read the first five verses, and then we'll jump to six to continue the context. So, if the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side when men attacked us, when their anger flared against us, they would have swallowed us alive. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. Verse 6. Praise be to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. And now, this again is some, some of that interesting imagery. And the thought here seems to be that, that the nations who were fighting Israel wanted to chew them up and swallow them. That's the whole idea of the teeth. And so, uh, if praise the Lord. He didn't let us get swallowed up by our enemies. Um, praise the Lord. Let's honor and let's lift him up. Let's praise him. Um, verse 6 in New American Standard puts it this way. <clears throat> Who has not given us 
to be torn by their teeth. He's not given us to that. God has not done that. And so if the Lord is on our side, we know that because he hasn't given us over to our enemy to be torn by their teeth. Now this is, praise God, because he didn't turn them over to the enemies. They are not only saying God saved them. They're saying God in his sovereignty gave them victory over their enemies. There's a big difference between just saving them and in a sense, destroying their enemies. And so they're acknowledging that God is sovereign, that God is in control, and and that they have been saved because of God's sovereign choice to save them. Um, Why are they saying it in this way? And and, and again, you think about it. Um, At times in Israel's history, because of their disobedience, God did turn them over to enemies. Read the book of Judges. It's an endless cycle. They obey, they obey, and then they disobey. What does God do? He brings in an opposing nation. The nation puts them into some kind of bondage, and then they start crying out to God. God raises up a judge. They turn back to God, and the cycle goes over and over and over and over. And this is one of the things that's being said here, that they weren't in disobedience. They weren't doing that, and so they were being saved. God was saving them. Praise the Lord, verse 6, who has not let us be torn by their teeth, We have escaped like a bird out of a fowler's snare. The snare has been broken, and we have escaped. Now, we're talking about wild birds here, and they would be caught, and they would be used in all different kinds of ways. And and this is talking about a fowler, someone who would go out and set the snares and catch the birds alive to take them to the market and to sell them for whatever the purposes were. And so he said, we've escaped out of the fowler's snare. We were caught. We were caught, and we were going to be put away in the cage and taken for whatever purposes they had. But it says, we escaped like a bird out of the fowler's snare. And then this is the great part. The snare has been broken. So not only were they set free, but the snare which caught them will no longer catch anyone. It's been broken. That's the the imagery behind it. So implied they won't be able to be trapped in that again. But we have escaped. Again, it's a, it's, a, it's a trap to catch live birds, and the whole imagery is someone was trying to maybe trap Israel or get them in a situation where they could be, um, they could be conquered. And uh, God came along and broke the trap. They were free. They were no longer in any kind of bondage. And then the last verse says, Our help is in the name of the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. Our help is in the name of the Lord. And and when we hear the phrase, the name of, understand it's not the name has some mystical value. That's not what's being said here. When we say the name of the Lord, what we really are saying is the presence and the power of God. It's just being said in in a shortened form. So you could say, our help is in the presence and the power of God. The same thing. They just use the name of the Lord to shorten that. The maker of heaven and earth. So the name of the Lord means the power and presence of God, and then our help is in the power and the presence of God. That's why that. And anytime you see that, the name of the Lord, remember, it's the power and the presence of God that we're talking about there. Just kind of summarize this short little psalm, and then we'll do some implications. Um, This is what he says. um, If God had not been on our side, we would have been swallowed alive. The ground would have opened up and swallowed us. If God had not been on our side, we would have been surrounded 
And, and, and that's the idea of armies surrounding them. And the image in, in the psalm is of water rising up all around them. If God had not been on our side, we would have been in over our heads. Deep water, no way to get out. And so that the imagery there is without God's help, they drown. And, and, and that's the wonder of this whole psalm, is all of these things could have happened, but they didn't because the Lord was on our side. And the last one, if it had not been for our Lord being on our side, we would have been swamped away in that flash flood and just washed away down downstream. Secondly, it also looks at this a little bit in verses 6 and 8. God, in his sovereignty, did not give us over to our enemies. Okay, There were times God did. You remember in the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar comes to Jerusalem, and God delivered the city into his hand. That was his judgment on the people of Israel. But in this case, he's saying God in his sovereignty did not give us over to our enemies. God in his sovereignty broke the trap in which we were stuck. The trap was useless, couldn't be used anymore. They were free. And then that's the last one. God in his sovereignty set us free. A very short psalm, but very powerful imagery, very powerful words. And if you don't remember anything else, Anytime something goes wrong and, and then somehow it, 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 it gets better or things turn out okay, say, if it had not been for the Lord, <laughs> if it had not been for the Lord on my side. And, and that's a great thought to take with us as we leave. No matter what happens, if the Lord hadn't been on my side, this could have been a total disaster. And um, just continue to think through in those ways. Now, the first implication, David made it clear that God was on their side. And that without God, they would have been destroyed. That's very clear from the reading, uh, that, from the writing that David gives us. Now, we may think that it is great, at least, that they knew God was on their side. Sure, that's a good thing. But remember, this is actually being written after whatever it was happened. It's past tense. If it had not been that the Lord was on our side, what might have happened but didn't, that's, that's, the, that's the way he's looking at it, and that's the way he's, he's spelling it out for us. Um, <clears throat> so after the danger is finally done and over and God's come through, David goes back and writes this. If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, we would have been swallowed alive. We would have been all of these other things. But that didn't happen because the Lord is on our side. Um, David had been in many, many battles, many wars, uh, the Philistines had tried to destroy him. Others had tried to destroy him. And, and, and so they had to face all of these kinds of things, the flood, the torrent, the f- feeling of being swept away. Be- but because God was on their side, they could say, okay, this is not permanent. This is not going to go on and on forever. Or God is going to come through, and he's going to break that snare. He's going to break the snare. Verse 7 then says this, <clears throat> We have escaped like a bird out of the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken, and we have escaped. So they were in the snare. They escaped only because God came along and said, break in the trap, you're free to go. And then when it looked like everything was totally hopeless, not a chance at all, God came through. That's what the imagery is describing. Now, the question we ask is, why does God do that? Why does God leave them in the trap for a while and then finally comes and breaks the trap? 
Um, why does God do that? I think Psalm 20, verse 7, gives us a little bit of a hint. Um, in that time frame, in that kind of war that they did, if you had a chariot, you were, I mean, that's the best kind of thing you could have. If you had a horse, that was the second best. The rest of you were on foot with swords and spears and slings. But look what it says. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Or we trust in the power and the presence of God. That's what we're trusting. So some people may trust in chariots and you have several hundred chariots, you think you got it made, maybe you have 200 horsemen in the cavalry, and you've got a thousand foot soldiers, but the psalmist says, no, we're going to trust in the name of the Lord. We're going to trust in God's power. We're going to trust in God's presence. And so again, that, that phrase, the name of the Lord, is a way of saying the power and the presence of God. So Maybe God brings us to these points of crisis, whatever crisis point you've been in recently. Uh, maybe he brings us to these crisis points as individuals or as couples or as families or even as a church. Maybe he brings us to those times so that we will learn to trust him and seek him and his glory rather than all of the things that we're constantly trying to do to make our lives work and to feel better Maybe we just kind of realize, okay, this is God is doing this for a purpose. Um, the Apostle Paul is a great example. He's a committed follower of Christ, uh, wrote large portions of the New Testament, uh, planted all kinds of churches, discipled and trained many people who went into ministry, and yet he suffered. He suffered a lot. Second Corinthians one eight through nine. About, Paul says, I want you to be informed about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. And you hear Paul saying this, and many times we think, well, Paul says, I mean, he's Mr. Superman of the spiritual world. And, and yet, Paul says, far beyond our ability to endure. I didn't have the power to do that. And so we despaired, even of life. You ever despaired even of life? Um, I've been in despair at times. And, and when I read verses like this, it makes me see, oh, okay, Paul went through it too. I guess it's, it's not that I'm so terrible. Um, and then indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. What an incredible statement. What would it feel like to feel the sentence of death, to think, man, it's, it is almost over. My time has come. In my heart, indeed in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. And then he tells us why it happened. I love that word. But this happened. All the stuff beyond his ability to endure, the sentence of death, all of that happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but in God. Why does God put us through crisis points? Many a time it's to say, listen, Mark, I'm where you need to be looking for strength. I'm the one you need to be asking for help. And Mark, no, you can't do this one on your own. So look for me. I'm, and I'm putting you through this so that you will realize it's not about you. It's about me. I have the power. I have the ability to work in your life in ways that you would never dream if you let me do what needs to be done. 
Paul says, we felt the sentence of death, but this happened so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. Oh, by the way, who raises the dead? That's our God. And so Paul wants us to know, it was terrible. Man, I thought I was dying. It was the hardest thing I've been through in a very long time. But God used it and taught me that he wanted me to rely on him. And he said, hey, remember, I raised Jesus from the tomb, and uh, I, can, I can handle what's going on for you. So if the Christians in Corinth asked Paul, why were these so hard? Why, why did God put you through all this suffering? Paul would say, so that I would rely on him and not me. And understand, Paul was one of the most gifted men of his time. I mean, he spoke several languages, and he wrote all these things. And, and yet, you know, you've got someone who says, I need to rely on God. It's not my gifts that matter. It's not my abilities that matter. It's not how many places I've been or how many people I've talked to. It's that I rely on God. At the end of his life, from prison, Paul said, 2 Timothy, again, remember (laughs) all the things that he's done. He said, at my first defense, no one came to my support. So he's standing before Caesar. The outcome could be the chopping block. So when he says my first defense, it's obvious that that didn't happen. But he's at my first defense. No one came to support me. Everyone deserted me. And it's very possible that some of those that were hanging on, maybe this is where Demas took off. Maybe they realized, you know, when he goes in there, he could be going right to the chopping block. I don't want to be near him. That could be that that's going through their minds. We don't know. No one came to my support. Everyone deserted me. And I love this next statement. May it not be held against them. Paul says, I understand. I get it. Don't hold it against them. And then he says this, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. Why? So that the message would be proclaimed fully and completely. Every time Paul was taken to a trial, people heard a sermon. They would ask him questions, and he would just say, yeah, I'm here because a man named Jesus died on the cross, and this is what he's done in my life, and, and these are the you know, places that I've been, and God has changed lives. I don't know what you're facing, but David would tell you, and he would tell me, remember, God is on our side. Paul would tell us that whatever we are facing, God wants us to learn to trust and his strength and power, not our own. There's a second implication. Verse 2 and verse 8 are are the two key ones I'm going to be looking at here. Verse 2, if the Lord had not been on our side when men attacked us, um, if the Lord had not been on our side when men attacked us, of course, you know, the the verse goes on to say we would have been swallowed whole. And then in verse 8, Our help was in the name of the Lord, or in the power and the presence of God, the maker of heaven and earth. And I was thinking through these verses this past week, and I wonder what what would I say if, if I had to fill in the blank, if the Lord had not been on my side, what would I say there? 
And as I thought back through my life and, and through various things, there are many times where I could say, okay, if the Lord hadn't been on my side, then this certainly wouldn't have happened. I mean, this happened because God was working. Um, <clears throat> and that's something I think we should think through every now and then. If the Lord had not been on my side, or, or you know, something happens and you realize God's been at work, then you need to go back and say, if the Lord had not been on my side, this wouldn't have happened. And that's a great way to, to be thinking, okay, God, you are at work. Um, if the Lord had not been on my side, I would not have seen the answers to prayer. If the Lord had not been on my side, I would not have been able to live in a way that hopefully helps others to see Him and helps me to honor Him. But I was thinking about anxiety and, and fear, how anxious we get at times. How does the fact that the Lord is on our side help? That's a good thing to kind of think through. I mean, if we're honest, there are many things that we worry about or we're concerned about or we have anxiety over and we may not want to call it fear, but there's things going on in us. And I think, you know, we we need to acknowledge those things. Okay, I'm I'm struggling a little bit here. I'm, I'm wondering what's going to happen and I'm a little bit concerned about this. And maybe we're not shaking in our boots, scared to death, kind of fearful, but maybe we are concerned, and, and maybe in those quiet moments when no one else is around, you know, <clears throat> fear and anxiety rear their ugly heads. If the Lord had not been on our side when men attacked us, our God, our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So if God had not been on our side, you know, I'm thinking about, are you fearful? Am I fearful? Are we concerned? What about the election? What about the economy? What about the job market or the housing market or the price of gasoline or health insurance? Do those things kind of weigh on our minds? If the Lord had not been on our side, there would have been no help. (laughs) Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. If God is not on our side, then anxiety and fear take over or can take over. When the communists finally took over China completely, the first thing they did was to kick out missionaries and that kind of a thing. And they did get, many of them were kicked out. Some were just executed and, or martyred. And other Christians, Chinese Christians, were just tortured and killed. Um, and Chinese Christians, they, they slaughtered them by the thousands. Um, there was no deadlier opponent of Christianity than the Chinese communism. And China had a lot of Christians at the point when they came in. Um, and many in missions and around the world were, were fearful that that's it. There's no Christianity in China going to exist anymore. Um, but if God is on their side, and he was, and he is, one of the fastest growing churches in all the world is inside China. And sometimes they're just little house churches, and sometimes they're still persecuted. depends on how the power goes back and forth. But there is a huge, huge church in China. And it's there because the God is on their side. He's the one they look to for help. And, and, and it's his power and presence in the individuals, no matter what they're going through. And some of them go through some pretty heavy things. They still keep on trusting God. 
So if God is for us, who can be against us? Well, nobody. Can anybody really challenge God? No, not really. Um, can anyone really question God's goodness, even when they're hurting and suffering? And remember, we at that point must remember that God gave his son for us. Psalm 118, 6 puts it this way. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? On some level, you saw that in Paul towards the end of his life. He's saying, hey, you know, if they take me in and they take my life, that's awesome. I get to be with Jesus. If they don't and they turn me loose, that's awesome too. I get a chance to work and spread the gospel further. And on one level, I think if this was Psalm 118 saying, the Lord is with me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? They can take my life and then I'll be with him. On, on many levels, sometimes I think we don't get that part of it. Uh, we've lived in a country that for a long time was very, very favorable to Christianity, and it's only recently that we've seen some of the things that we have uh, against us. But because God is with me, I will not be afraid. What can man really do? He can hurt me, kill me, but he can't separate me from the love of Jesus. Nothing can separate me from the love of Jesus. Even even if they did those things that um, that are horrible, God would give the strength to face it. So I do not have to fear. I do not have to give in to the other side because the Lord is with me. He's on my side. Remember, Elisha was a prophet, was a prophet in, in Israel, the northern kingdom. And as he was a prophet up there, many things came and went. At one time, Elisha was living in a small town um, and... The king of Syria, or Amram, was coming down and, and setting all of these um, ambushes that he wanted to put on Israel so he could catch them by surprise and, and kill a bunch of their soldiers. And every time he set up an ambush, Elisha would tell the king of Israel, hey, by the way, don't go here because they're waiting for you there. And every one of them, they just failed. And the king of Syria was, was furious. He thought he had a traitor there. Well, finally, they sorted it all out, and they said, no, it's Elisha. He tells the king every time what's going on. So the king of Syria says, okay, well, we'll take care of this problem. We'll just surround the city where Elisha lives, and we'll take care of him once and for all. So they surround the city in the night. And what happens? Elisha wakes up, and his servant wakes up, and his servant goes out to look, and he goes, oh, no. And he's all scared and frightened because the Syrians are there, and they're surrounding the city. And Elisha comes out and says, you know, you need to just stop. And then he asks God to open his eyes. And he sees the, the army of the Lord. I'm not sure how to picture this, whether the army of the Lord is closest to Elisha looking outward or on the outside ready to crush the people in front of him. However it is, the servant finally sees, look at the angels, look at those warriors. And this is what Elisha said, 2 Kings 6, 16. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Hey, we got an army too. Look, there it is. He understood that those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And if you want to read a great, great story of a prophet, go read 2 Kings 6, this afternoon, and you'll really enjoy that whole process. If the Lord had not been on our side, verse 2, but he was, and he is. 
Let's go to the, to the next slide, please. If the Lord had not been on our side, but he was and he is, our help is in the name of the Lord, who, by the way, is the creator and the sustainer of all, absolutely everything, every single tiny particle and even the vast expanse of the universe, he sustained, created it and sustains it. So our help is found in the name of the Lord and the power and presence of our God. If God is for us, who can be against us? Absolutely nobody. And those who are with us are far greater than those who are not. What's our takeaway? <clears throat> because God is on our side, he has set us free. The trap has been broken and when we turn to Christ and receive him as Savior, that sin is gone, taken away. Because God is on our side, we never face the enemy alone. Stop and think about it. It's just me against all the forces of hell. Oh, by the way, I have God and all the heavenly hosts. Who wins? Not the forces of hell. Because God is on our side, victory is sure. Our help is in the power and the presence of God. If we have been set free by going to the cross and receiving God's forgiveness, asking him to make us new, to um, change us, telling him we believe that he died for us, then we need to seek his help to live in the freedom of that in our daily lives. Martin Luther and Daniel gave us some information about him last week and uh, The Mighty Fortress being a song that he wrote. Uh, but he was an amazing man. Um, when he be went from being a Catholic priest to being a Christian and, and, a, and a pastor and translator, um, he was in serious trouble and persecuted in many places. If he tried to preach Jesus Christ in the common language so that the common person could understand it and respond, they didn't like that. They tried to stop him. And when he translated the Bible into German so that the people themselves could read it, they gave him death threats and they tried to kill him. And there's all kinds of things that happened. And during one of those really dark, dark times of persecution, that's when he wrote, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Stop and think about it. The fortress is God. I'm just going to read the last verse before we close. This is what he wrote. And remember, he's been persecuted. He's been threatened. They've tried to kill him. And he says this, And though this world with devil, devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure. For lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. That's incredible. And I, I've always wondered what that word is. Haven't you? <laughs> and I was thinking about it again this week, and I thought maybe the word is the Lord just saying banished. And that's it. He's gone. He's in hell forever. So because God is on our side... He has set us free. And we never face the enemy alone. Victory is always sure. And so this next week, I'm going to just challenge you. You get into a place where you can maybe spend a few minutes, try to answer the question, um, 
If it had not been for the Lord, what? For me, this last week, <clears throat> I, I kept praying and thinking, you know, I, I, my hands are, have a lot of arthritis, I've got tendon damage, and I really want to lead music with a guitar, something I've done since I was 17 or 18. And I was thinking, I'm not going to be able to do this. And <clears throat> I was <clears throat> praying, I was praying that the young people would come, and they did, and that they would be able to just take over and just do the playing, and they did. Bless the Lord, been on my side. <clears throat> that wouldn't have happened, but it did. And so that's our challenge. Where have you seen the Lord come through in those kinds of ways? Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much. I thank you for your goodness, and I thank you for your mercy. I especially thank you that you are on our side. You are for us, and you are against our enemies. And so, Lord, as we face this week, help us to always remember you're there, and you are on our side. And Lord, help us to be able to continue moving forward as we trust you to always be there and to always be working for us. We thank you and we praise you in your name. Amen.